At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. Well, good morning. Really great to be here worshiping with all of you once again. Uh, I want to begin by just telling you a couple of stories. Uh, the first one is about a woman, and she came to the point in her life where she decided, she made this fantastic decision that she really wanted to honor the Lord in her life. Uh, and she knew that she shouldn't have married an unbeliever, but nonetheless, she was certain that now, at this point, that things were going to change. She read all the right books. She began praying for him and serving him and loving him just as a faithful wife should. And she was certain that this was going to change her husband, that she was going to see him change, that the, the Lord was going to, going to move in his life just as he had hers, and that their marriage together would be a beautiful story of God's redemption, having taken them from darkness to light, not only individually, but together as a couple. And yet, he did not change, at least not for the better. Instead, he actually resented her for her faith. He became angry, abusive, and even unfaithful until eventually it led to a divorce. And so in bitterness and anger against the Lord, she would never step foot into a church again. Another story, another couple, on the other hand, they, they did everything right, as it would seem. They, they were young, and yet they resisted temptation and peer pressure, keeping themselves pure until marriage. And then shortly after their honeymoon, they found out that they were expecting. She was pregnant. They were going to be parents and they were ecstatic. They were so excited. Everything seemed great until they received the news late into the pregnancy that there was something wrong. And shortly after the delivery, they, they found themselves standing around a gravesite, lowering their tiny baby into the ground. And through their tears and confusion, they too walked away from the church and from the Lord. These are stories of real people, and, and there's many more. There are countless others to go along with them because the reality is that so much of this life, here and now, on this side of eternity, is filled with hardship and pain and suffering, it, where we find ourselves in places of extreme vulnerability, right? When, when dreams are dashed, desires are denied, our hearts are broken, when money seems to dry up, our health breaks down, and death seems to come too soon. So how do we deal with it? How do we begin to process the pain? Well, what if God, in, in his infinite wisdom, has actually provided instructions for how to deal with with these kinds of things. Because the truth is that it's in these moments, right, when our vulnerability is so heightened, 
that we can actually find ourselves in a place where we can experience deep intimacy and fellowship with God. Maybe even a deeper fellowship and intimacy with God than it is possible to experience during times of comfort and blessings. In other words, hardship provides a path for us to know God more deeply than we otherwise would have known him. And so I don't think it's by mistake that the Apostle Paul can write in the very same sentence in Philippians 3 of wanting to know Christ and of wanting to share in his sufferings. So the question is, what is the difference? Right? What is the dividing factor that separates growing in anger and bitterness and resentment against the Lord and walking away from him and growing in deeper intimacy and relationship with him. I think one of the key factors is learning to lament. Because if, if we don't understand how to approach the Lord when we're in the midst of our pain and suffering, when we feel that we are just surrounded by a cloud of darkness and the weight of it all is crushing us, if we don't know how to approach the Lord in, in those moments, then at best we will ignore him. And at worst, we will grow bitter and angry and run away from him. So we want to be a people, we, we want to be a church that learns to lament. And, and that's what we're looking at in this series which we've titled Good Morning, Taking Our Sorrows to the Savior. And so if you haven't already, would you please join me in your Bible or your Bible apps? Feel free to get those out. And just join me in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. And while you find your place there, I just want to take a moment to remind you what is happening here, what we've been looking at. The prophet Jeremiah is writing as he is watching the devastation, destruction, and death of a city. And so he writes what is essentially a eulogy, right? Mourning the loss of the beautiful city of Jerusalem. And he begins in chapter 1 by personifying the city as a woman. And we get to hear from her perspective then as she cries out to the Lord, representing the people of God. And in chapter 2, we read what's happening from God's perspective, right? And we come to understand that God is righteous in his judgment of sin, that, that ultimately what God is doing to Jerusalem in this moment is actually out of loving discipline in order to bring them to repentance. And if you remember, he's writing all these laments in the form of poetry with two things that we took note of. The first one is what we call the chiastic structure. And I brought this slide again, if we could put that up just to show you, remind you what it means. We have the A, B, C, B, A format. And so chapter one is the focus on God's people. Chapter two is the focus on God. In chapter three, we have Jeremiah's response to all this affliction. And then we circle right back around. We have a focus on God and we end right where we began with a focus on the people. And as a part of this chiastic structure, we said that the middle of it, right, the point of it, the apex is the emphasis. It is the focus of all these writings. And so the second thing we mention is that Jeremiah, as he's writing these laments, he's doing it in the form of an alphabetical acrostic, right, where each verse in this book begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in English, we'd say A, B, C, D. 
But again, chapter 3 is the main point. It is the emphasis. And so we actually have a triple acrostic. And so instead of A, B, C, D, we have A, 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 B, 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 C, C, C. And so the cadence of this thing is picking up, right? The, the, the tempo is accelerating. And this is the climax. It is the pinnacle, the focal point that we all want to pay attention to. And so last week we began looking at chapter 3. And this is where we really began to see how we can have hope even in the midst of our suffering. As Jeremiah says, hey, even though I am at the end of my rope, my resources are absolutely depleted, I have nothing left to give, this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is your faithfulness. And so in the face of our affliction, as we lament, we want to remember who God is. Because while our circumstances are changing and, and everything seems to be spinning in chaos and out of control all around us, we want to remember that we serve a God who does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is holy and just, and so sin must be punished. But he's also loving and merciful, and full of grace. And because of that truth, we can have hope even in the midst of our suffering. And as we continue today, looking at Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to see a few of the elements that are necessary for this journey of lament, which ultimately points us toward hope. The first one is this, that we must remember the heart of God. We must remember the heart of God. Let's read this together. I'm going to start at verse 25. Chapter 3, verse 25, Lamentation says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Just a few verses down, verse 31, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. And so after two and a half chapters of demonstrating the horrific suffering that the city has experienced, the poet begins to recall what he knows to be true about God, that God is good to those who are seeking him and waiting on the Lord, that in the face of grief and suffering, we should remember that sorrow will not last forever because affliction isn't what represents the very heart of God. It is compassion. It is his steadfast love. And all of this, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the devastation, the destruction, and death, not only is it momentary as far as time is concerned, but it is absolutely meaningful. Because God is at work. God is doing something. He is accomplishing something through it. And as we've mentioned, we see this all throughout God's story of redemption, but I don't think anything is as explicit or uh, familiar and clear to us in communicating this truth, and at least not in the Old Testament, as the story of Joseph, right? Many of you will be familiar with this story. I mean, we are talking about a man who suffered one tragedy after another. Uh, he's bullied, abused, rejected by his own brothers. He's sold into Egyptian slavery, falsely accused of sexual misconduct, imprisoned, and forgotten about. Do you know how the story ends? 
right? Things eventually start turning around for Joseph. Through the Spirit of God, Joseph is able to interpret dreams. And so eventually he even interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. And it's from the Pharaoh's dream that Joseph is able to predict that there will be a severe famine, right? And so they begin preparing. They begin planting and harvesting grain. And for seven years, the crops are abundant. They are plentiful. And so they store them all up. But then just as Joseph had predicted, a seven-year famine comes along. And all of Egypt was hurting for food. In fact, it spread beyond just Egypt to all the earth, the Bible says, so that anyone who needed grain would have to come to Egypt in order to get it. And so the Pharaoh promotes Joseph to, to a position of authority. He is recognizing that Joseph, hey, this is truly a man of God. And so God is glorified through all of this. God is able to faithfully provide for many, many people through Joseph. And then the, the day comes when Joseph's own family, right, the very brothers who wanted to kill him, but instead they decided they would just sell him into slavery so they could at least make a small amount of money off of his life. They came to him during this awful famine, and what did Joseph say? You meant this as evil against me, but God meant it for good. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And so despite all of the, we're talking about years of suffering here, mentally, physically, spiritually, through it all, Joseph is able to see and remember the heart of God. And this is something that, that we need to learn to do as well. When, when sin causes suffering, whether it's our own or it's the sin of somebody else, we have to remember to be able to recall to mind the heart of God. To recall and know all that we know to be true of God, even though we may not understand it in a moment, even though uh, in our current circumstances, it doesn't seem like it, even though it may be through gut-wrenching sobs of deep, deep sorrow, we can still remember that God's heart is rooted in his steadfast love and faithfulness. And so we can turn to him. We can cry out and lament. And that's actually our second point today, that you can carry your cry to the Lord. You can carry your cry to the Lord. Let's pick this up in verse 55. Jeremiah says, I called on your name, O Lord. From the depths of the pit, you heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called to you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done to me. O Lord, judge my cause. You have seen all their vengeance, all their plots against me. You have heard their taunts, O Lord, all their plots against me. The lips and the thoughts of my assailants are against me all the day long. Behold, they're sitting in their rising eye in the object of their taunts. And so by now, the poet here has spilled much ink in expressing the pain and the suffering that both he and the people of God are going through in this thoughtful lament. And if you remember, some of the things that, that he has said in chapters 1 and 2, which we already looked at, is God, don't ignore us. <laughs> hey, don't turn your back on us. Please incline your ear. Listen to us as we cry out to you. As well as a question, God, don't you see? 
Don't you see what is happening to your people? Please don't turn your face away from us. And now what do we see here? Jeremiah says, I called on your name from the depths of the pit, right in the middle of my depression and my despair and the destruction that is all around me, and you heard my plea. You didn't ignore us. You didn't close your ear to our cries for help, and you didn't turn your face away either. You have seen the wrong that has been done, their vengeance and their plots against God's people, and in the midst of this turmoil, when God seems to be absent, so far away, verse 57 says that God came near. And then God speaks. These are the only divine words that are recorded in this entire book. And what does God say? Do not fear. This is what lament does. It brings us to recognize and understand that when we are struggling, when we feel like we just can't go on, despite what it may feel like, that God is not ignoring you, God is not turning away from you. He's not absent. In fact, it's just the opposite. He is very present. He is right there with you in the midst of the suffering through it all. He sees everything you are experiencing. He hears you as you cry out to him, carrying your heart to the Lord. And as you lament, God draws near. You know, one of the verses that kind of haunts me to this day because it continually convicts me. There's a little verse in the book of James. James is talking about how the people allow their sinful desires to lead to sinful actions because they want things. And then when they want things and they don't get what they want, well, they, they fight and they quarrel amongst themselves. They even murder other people trying to get what it is that they want, trying to take it and rob it from others. And James says, Listen, you have not because you ask not. You're so concerned with what you can do in your own power, in your own strength, in your own ability. And when it comes, when it doesn't even work out, that's why you get so mad and you get so frustrated when you didn't even think to ask God. The almighty creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who could speak those blessings and more into existence with a single word. I mean, that's what Paul says in Ephesians, that, that our God is capable of doing far more abundantly, far more abundantly than all we ask or even think. And yet, it never even crossed your mind until it was a last resort. And what I want you to see today is that lament doesn't have to be a last resort. Lament should be a normal part of our prayer lives. Just like we have prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of petition and prayers of intercession for other people, we should have prayers of lament where we express our emotions where we express our complaints and ultimately our faith as we go through this life. The truth is, this isn't easy. It's not the most natural thing for us to do. And so instead, we try to bottle everything up inside of us. 
right? Where, where painful emotions fill our hearts, negative thoughts fill up our head, and the tension and the stress of it all actually can begin to impact our body until despair and discouragement begins to weigh you down so much that it weakens your will. And I think this is one reason why it's, it's also important to surround yourself with Christian community, right? Because the way I think of it, it's like, if you've ever been looking for something and you don't know where to find it and so you ask someone else for help and they do know what they're looking for, they do know exactly where it is, but what do they do, right? They, they close their eyes and then they begin thinking about it and they say, okay, when you go into the kitchen, you got to look to the right-hand side of the stove and over there on the bottom cupboard, one, two, third drawer down, that's where you'll find it. You see, they know it to be true, but, but they, even then they have to close their eyes, they have to focus, they have to concentrate in order to be able to then communicate that to you. And we can do that for each other, right? L lament isn't just something that you can use in your own personal walk with the Lord. It is something you can use to show your love and support for others as well as they go through tough times. And so lament is a means to weep with those who weep, to support your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we learn to do this together, to carry our cries to the Lord, I want to encourage you to actually practice this. And so I don't know if you got this on the way in, but I made up a little sheet. It just, it's, it's kind of a worksheet. Uh, hopefully it's, it's a helpful handout um, that you can use. If you didn't get it, you can get it on the way out. Okay, we'll have a whole stack of them out there for you. But it's just designed to help you think through this, to, to help you actually write out a thoughtful prayer of lament. Because I don't think it's going to happen otherwise. We need to be purposeful in trying to do this. And so we will turn to God. It teaches you to humbly bring to him your complaint, asking him for his divine help in the matter, and then choosing to trust him in it. And so I want to encourage you to, to pick one of these up and to take your time to actually do this sometime this week. It may take you several days to work through this thing. And then if you're comfortable, you can share it. I would encourage you to talk through this with your life group, the people who, who support you in your daily lives already so that we can bear our burdens together. So your brothers and sisters in Christ can mourn with you and they can support you in ways that help you grow your faith and your trust in God. Because having to learn, having learned to trust God, the last thing we see in our passage today is that we can wait on the Lord to carry out justice. We can wait on the Lord to carry out justice. Uh, picking up in verse 64, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. So the poet says, God, you will repay them. You will pursue them and destroy them. So I will wait on you. Because of who you are and your character, I will wait on you to carry out justice and make everything right. I wonder how many of us can say the same thing. Because we live in a culture 
of instant gratification, right? We live in a culture, it's, it's a microwave, uh, fast food restaurant, Amazon Prime credit card kind of culture, right? Where we can get the answers to our questions and the entertainment that we want, the things that we want, almost instantly. And as a result, we just don't wait well, do we? We are impatient. And often we try to take matters into our own hands. Right? How easy would it have been for Jeremiah as he's sitting there amongst the ashes of Jerusalem and its devastation to say, you know what? I'll show you. I'm going to devise a plan. I will raise up an army. And we will have sweet, sweet revenge. And it will be glorious. He doesn't do that. Because he knows God will repay them. God will curse them. God will pursue them. And God will destroy them in his holy wrath and anger. And so Jeremiah is in a season of waiting on the Lord to do what is right, to balance the scales of justice. And this is a beautiful thing. Listen, what we have here is a story about a people who had built a city. Oh, and it was a beautiful city, one which they took much pride in. But unfortunately, they loved it so much that it became an idol to them. And they began to put their hope and their faith and their trust in the presence of the temple and the routine rituals of religion until eventually God says, enough is enough. I love you too much to let this continue. And so God destroys the city, the very thing that they loved and they cherished and they put their hope in. Why? In order to get their attention, to wake them up so that they could come to repentance so that ultimately God could restore them once again. And so we don't see this yet in our story, but God is going to bring back a remnant of Israel. He's not done with them yet, but he has to discipline them in order to prepare them for all the future blessings that he has in store for them. And the same is true for us. Sometimes we find ourselves so focused on the here and now busy building our own little city, trying to exhibit control over it. But when that begins to consume us, when it usurps the position of God in our lives, then God may just come and in his loving kindness begin to break down and destroy the little city which we've built in order to bring our focus back to him. You understand, God will tear down and destroy our little cities because he wants to give you a kingdom. And the pain and the suffering, it just has an incredible way of, of peeling back the layers, peeling back the calluses of a deceived and hardened heart. And so listen, waiting is not a waste. Waiting is not a waste. I know we tend to think that way, right? We're, we're such a busy culture, we, we, we think, hey, I have to do something. I, I can't just do nothing about this. But waiting on the Lord is a good thing. It's one of the most rewarding things a Christian can do. And that's why in the midst of this calamity, 
when Jeremiah is describing all that is bad, we finally read about something good. Verse 25 and 26, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And I know there are people here who have been wronged. There are people here who have been betrayed. You've been stabbed in the back when you never saw it coming, and it hurts. It is so painful. It hurts so bad. And you think, how could I possibly let this go? How could I possibly do nothing about this? How could I possibly even forgive them for what they did? The Apostle Paul answers this question in Romans 12 like this. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Judgment day will come. Every single sin is known by God and will be judged by God. And when Christ comes in all his glory, that judgment will only be satisfied in one of two places, either at the cross of Christ or the throne of Christ. And for the Christian, that means two things. First, we are thankful for the love of Christ that was displayed on the cross. Right? When we think of the righteous, sinless Son of God, taking on the holy wrath and fury of God for our sins. And that in exchange, we are then gifted with his perfect righteousness. I mean, it boggles our minds. We, we can barely comprehend it. We are so thankful for the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. But then second, because we know that God will judge every sin, we can have peace and even demonstrate forgiveness toward others. And, and I know that doesn't mean that we are going to be passive pushovers here. I, I want to make that clear. Because the Spirit of God still lives inside of us. Right? When, when we see the brokenness of the world around us, we see it through His eyes. And we have His heart. And it beats within us. And so sin will upset us. It, it is going to provoke anger and sadness. And it should do all these things inside of us. And as the people of God who are empowered by the Spirit of God to actually live and incarnate the kingdom of God as representatives of Christ, this means that we stand up for the lives of the unborn and the disabled and the elderly. We fight against the horrors of human trafficking and rape. We fight for racial reconciliation and equality. And we demand justice for those who have been harmed. Our Christianity should be socially active and full of love. But what happens when we don't see immediate results? We can still have peace and even demonstrate forgiveness as we wait on the Lord knowing that he will carry out justice for our good and for his glory, and we can trust in him. Church family, do you see why learning to lament is so important? I know that we would rather avoid the pain altogether, at all costs. And when it comes, hey, we'll probably try to ignore it in an attempt just to make it easier for us. And so we are tempted to say, I'm going to put all my pain, all my suffering, all my feelings in a box over here and just keep it separate from my spiritual life. I'm going to keep it separate and removed from prayer. And all that means 
And all that results in is you not praying. That's not what we want. This isn't leave your burdens at the door. Leave your problems behind. Leave your distractions outside of this building because we want to focus on God here. No, this is bring your problems. Bring it all. Bring all the things that keep you up at night. Bring the pain and the suffering. Bring it and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. So learning to lament is important. It is the means the Lord has given us to be able to process pain through prayer. Prayer. It means, it can mean at least the difference between growing in anger and bitterness against God or experiencing a beautifully deeper relationship with God. We want to be a people, a church who does this well. We want to take the time to learn to lament for the benefit of ourselves as well as for others and ultimately for God's glory. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.